Arizona Sports, Sports. the local sports sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. All right, so far, Paul Calvisi has been up to the task, throwing Uh, my way here on the Burns and Gambo show. That's what happens when Mitchell Palooza, he's got an agenda. uh, Control the lie detector button. He's grinding a grudge with the lie detector. But now we're going to start pressing the up speed button on the treadmill here. We're going to see if Paul Calvisi can keep up. Oh, oh, look at that. The pitch clock just came on. Uh, So let's go. Let's find out if Paul Calvisi is up for the 4 o'clock reset. For the second time tonight as the Phoenix Sun, Kevin Durant plays basketball. And as excited as the Valley is to have number 35 on their side, Vince Goodwill of Yahoo Sports said the feeling is mutual. Feeling a little more rejuvenated of body and mind, especially when you consider he's going to be playing with a Devin Booker who's Mm -hmm. going to be a Available, and then you're playing with a guy like Chris Paul, who's a table setter, and more importantly, I think a guy like Monty Williams is someone that he trusts. Suns Bulls tonight at six o'clock. Brian Windhorst believes this pairing of Durant and Booker is already much better than Katie's last pairing. This marriage with Devin Booker makes so much more basketball sense than the one with Kyrie Irving. They are both true lovers of basketball. They are generally no nonsense guys. Booker is a better on-court fit for him because it applies so much pressure to the defense. Guys, they're excited about it. Buy it? Absolutely. It's much, much closer to the Warriors dynamic where you had a Steph Curry and a Klay Thompson. Those sort of guys who are willing to give up the ball, who are willing to find the player who's going to get the best shot. That's KD and Devin Booker. Those guys who are your best players, and they're also your hardest workers. They're the culture personified. And that's really what it's ultimately about. I mean, Bernsey, go ahead. Ask me who the fifth starter should be. Paul, Just ask who me. should the fifth starter be? I don't care! <laughs> Let's stop talking about it! I'm sick and tired of arguing whether it's a Kogi or Tory Craig. I don't even care. Stop asking who's the fifth starter. It doesn't matter. Suns Bulls. Sorry, I had to get that out. No, that's fine. That, okay. that, that's fine. I, I'm wiping the spit off my yeah. glasses right now, but yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Suns Bulls, maybe a little Pat Bev payback. We'll see. Six o'clock tip time tonight here on the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. The NFL Combine continues today. The big talk is all about tomorrow and the quarterbacks who will throw. Kentucky's Will Levis is more than ready for these drills. Just ask him. Everybody has because I got a cannon. I'm going to show it off. Why would I skip tomorrow's throwing workout? I got a cannon. Wait until you see it. Let there be Uncle Rico. Oh, he can throw that football over them there mountains. Let Will Levis be the guy. Let him put on a show. The arm talent just oozing everywhere. Let him be that guy. Let Anthony Richardson go out there, and it's just a wow factor. Let him leave all those scouts drooling and everyone calling Monty Ossonfort. We got to get up to number three because there are four legit quarterbacks in this draft. Apparently, the confidence was contagious there in Indianapolis because Florida quarterback Anthony Richard got behind the microphone. He basically said, if Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson had a baby, it'd be me. I started calling myself Cam Jackson in 11th grade. You know, just trying to make big plays, you know, so uh, just Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. Cam Jackson. Cam, Cam Jackson. I mean, it's a, he, he went on to say that I want to be a legend. I want to be like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. He is this year's Trey Lance. He only has 13 starts. 
Will somebody trade up to number three? And if they do call the Cardinals and they're willing to give up three first-round picks like the San Francisco 49ers did, I put it to you, Dave Burns. Do you take three first-round picks in return for the number three pick and not winding up with Will Anderson? I would. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> I would. I would. The, I would. The letdown there yeah. was a little, yeah. I was, mean, I really I was expecting an argument. Oh my God. I was expecting a yeah. fight. I wasn't expecting you to roll over and have your tummy scratch like that. By the way, Anthony Richardson says he's faster than Kyle Pitts, who ran a 4 4 4 40. So. We'll see about that. Meanwhile, the headliner of the class, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, says, Yeah, I've been a small guy my whole life. So what? I've been this size, uh, you know, respectfully, my, my whole life. Um, you know, I, I know who I am. I'm, I know, I know what I can do, and, you know, for me, you know, I think it, it, it's fair. You know, everyone can, can speculate and ask whatever questions are necessary, but, you know, I'm going to continue to control what I can control. I'm going to keep working my hardest to put myself in a good position. I'm confident in myself. I know what I can do, and, you know, I'm just excited to get to that next level. Cal, I submit this to you, this line from Pro Football Talk today. Quote, one of the most anticipated height and weight measurements ever at the Combine. So let's Close see quote. here. I'm looking at the official Alabama listing. Bryce Young is listed at 6 foot 194. I didn't even get it out! It's 6 foot 194. If only we were running a true two-man game around here. It's addition by subtraction shortly with Mitchell Palooza. There's no way he's going to measure 6 foot. So welcome to the uh, the diminutive American update desk, Bryce Young. Uh, so here's... You're the founder and president of yes. such club, aren't you? Yes. yes. Don't make me call NADA, the National Association of Diminutive Americans. The Look, here's the deal. Um... Some team is going to draft the measurables. They always do. They say they won't, but they do. So will this scare away teams from Bryce Young? Because yeah. not only is he not probably six foot, he's slight a build. And so you wonder, the game that C.J. Stroud put on tape against Georgia, where they finally unlocked him and let him do his thing, and or he was willing to do his thing, and he played the best game of his college career against the best team, the best defense out there. I wonder if that might be enough if Bryce Young is somewhat underwhelming in some of these drills, plus the measurables, could C.J. Stroud with a glorious performance tomorrow vault him in the order? A couple of other notes from the NFL. The Vegas Raiders plan to place the franchise tag on star running back Josh Jacobs. The sides don't reach a deal by Tuesday's deadline, according to Tom Pelissero. Paul, I don't know about you. I would never put a franchise tag on a running back. I would never give a long-term contract to a running back. I would not do it. It is not worth the return on investment is poor almost always on the running backs. Yeah, tack another L under the Raiders' win-loss record because they screwed that up from the beginning. They didn't get a long-term deal done with Josh Jacobs. He was arguably the best running back in the league last season. He was an all-pro. Now they got to tag him and pay through the nose. So that is a definite W for Josh Jacobs. According to Josina Anderson, multiple people have been made aware in the Dolphins organization. The team will explore all options at quarterback. This is the decision lingers on a long-term deal and the fifth-year option for Tua Tungavailoa. They need to make that decision in May. Same time the Cardinals need to make the decision about Isaiah Simmons. Hey, uh, attention Miami. Uh, guess what? Make us an offer at number three. That should be the Cardinals. Because if they're not going to go ahead and invest long-term in Tua, then they are looking for someone. And if it's not going to be the via the free agent route, welcome to the sweepstakes at number three. Also, according to Anderson, the Ravens remain hopeful to get a contract with Lamar Jackson done before the tag deadline, yet she is told a deal is not close. The deadline to tag a player is on Tuesday. Did you hear Calais Campbell saying how much Lamar Jackson wants to be part of the Ravens? Now, we don't know 
know what's real and what isn't behind the scenes and the negotiations and who's at fault and who might be playing hardball and who's not realistic. But that has the potential to submarine their season before it even begins. No not just the lack of their MVP quarterback, but divide that locker room. College basketball, ASU men's basketball, lost a fourth-ranked UCLA last night. Number 8 U of A bounced back with a win over USC. It has put ASU in a precarious position. They had better beat USC on Saturday if they want to get off of the bubble and a little more firm ground under their feet. They've been here and done this before, and they've been on the outside looking in before. they got to figure out a way to get a W against USC and get at least one win in the Pac-12 tourney. Otherwise, I'm really scared. That's a selection committee. will leave them among the first out. And as a Pac-12 media rights deal remains undetermined, per our report in The Athletic, the Big 12 has recently had contact with Arizona State and Arizona regarding a possible expansion of the Big 12. Quote, sources briefed on the discussion say the conference has been in recent contact with the so-called Four Corners schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, which has renewed optimism that convincing them to join the Big 12 is possible. We know the mindset among the Power Five conferences expand or die. And if I'm Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, I already got my deal done, and I heard that George Klyovkov is negotiating with Ion TV and some other streaming services. Of course I'm making that call and trying to strike up talks with the Four Corner schools. Yes. Yormark is also, according to the report, in deep discussions with Gonzaga. But sources involved in that process indicates he wants a little clarity on the Pac-12 situation before making the move. Something else that was buried in that article was that Yormark is thinking about taking the Big 12 basketball property and spinning that off into its own media rights deal because that is the real power of his conference when you look at the schools that would be in the Big 12 if Arizona were to join and if Gonzaga were to join. So let's see, that's shrewd, that's innovative, it's future thinking, right? Everything the Pac-12 doesn't have in its leadership right now mm. is personified in Brett Yormark and the Big 12 and the other conferences who just continue to make the Pac-12 look like it's amateur hour. We will get into that in more detail a little bit later. When lower level tickets to see Kevin Durant's first home game as a son, text KD to 620-620. Enter for your chance to win lower level tickets, the Suns and the Thunder. Next week, March 8th, you'll also win two Kevin Durant jerseys. Text KD to 620-620 to register to win tickets to that. Our next guest stayed real busy over the last few days. We'll catch up with Coyotes GM Bill Armstrong on all the moves he executed next, only on Arizona Sports. Calvisi in for Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Friday. Typically, we talk with Bill Armstrong or a member of the Coyotes front office every Thursday with the trade deadline being today, with it coming and going at 1 o'clock this afternoon. It just made much more sense to do it today. And with Paul Calvisi in for Gambo, we welcome in the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, Bill Armstrong, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo show. Are you are you, you, you getting your feet kicked up on the desk? You got a cocktail in your hand? Are you nice and <laughs> What's the, what's the you're done, Bill? You made it. What's the vibe? You, you, you pouring one back right now? What How much got? sleep will you get this weekend? <laughs> right. Oh, uh, you know, you know, it's funny. We, you know, it just wears on you because it seems different this year. Like 
it seems like a, like a week before we were at it every day, you know. So it just it, it adds up, and you're you're exhausted. It, when we get done tonight's game, I'll probably sleep for a good twenty four. But it's just yeah, it, it's on, and uh, uh, it was great. It was it was uh, probably one of our best deadlines uh, for, for us as an organization. To, um, so it's just so many different ways we accomplished uh, a lot of things, and uh, they're not spectacular things in some ways, but. Behind the scenes for us, they're big as an organization. That's exactly my question. Behind the scenes, I'm always intrigued by the process, Bill. So how many potential deals were out there, and how quickly were they coming? I mean, how often was your phone ringing? Um, well, you know, obviously we had Chick uh, out there, and that was, as it neared, it, it, it picked up. You know, teams became more interested, and, and they could some, some of them, you know, they had injuries, and they could find some more cap room. And the other teams were heating up and, and trying to acquire assets to get them. So um, that was great how, how it kind of played out. And, and, you know, it's not a spectacular deal in the sense that it has, you know, uh, you know all these thirds and, you know, things attached to it. But what it does is it gives you an opportunity with where Ottawa is going to be placed somewhere between 18 to 6 to pick. And those, and those picks are hard to get, you know. So uh, that will give us a shot at a, a high first rounder depending on where, um, Ottawa finishes, and it's a top uh, five protected pick, so it'll give us a good pick. And another pick this year, uh, which will help us out in, in this year's up-and-coming draft. So um, that was really, really important to get to. And then a lot of the little stuff that we were able to do is move out some players that we, you know, acquired uh, to, to take on uh, picks for. And, you know, Ghost of Spear was one, and we, we you know, someone, uh, the Flyers paid us a second to take him, and then we got rid of him for a third. We got Bukestead out for a, a third and acquired another prospect. Kesselring will play for us tonight. Um, and then we moved out Richie, who, you know, they, uh, the Leafs paid us a second to take, and we, we moved him out, and uh, we got a, a nice prospect in Connor Mackey, who are really high on, too. So, uh, you know, that will give us a chance the rest of the way in to, to play Mackey and Kesselring and see what they can do. I, I don't know how to delicately ask you this, so I'm, I'm just going to ask you this because I'm curious right. to get your reaction. The, the grades and the reaction to the Chikrin trade have not been great from your perspective, yeah. from the Coyote side of things. Is is that fair? Is that justified? Is, is are, are you disappointed that people aren't seeing your side of this more? How was what was your reaction to the reaction to the deal? Yeah, I, I, we kind of knew it was going to be that way. Um, but I think behind the scenes is what you look at is, where's the pick do you have a chance to lie? Now, in my experience, uh, you know, from picking in the back of the, the draft, it's hard. If you're picking 26 back, which we did uh, a fair amount with, with the Blues and, and had some success, but there's also a lot of failure back there. And, and what you can get in potential uh, you can take, we, you know, we could have satisfied everybody and, and looked like rock stars and came through, you know, with all these different picks and somebody would have given us two first rounders, but they're, the, they're at the back of the first round. That means you're either going to pick somewhere between 32 and, you know, and 26 around that order. Uh, and, and, and you can't take two, two picks and move up to where we think Ottawa has a chance to land. Um, we also liked the, the, where the, the two seconds were that Ottawa gave us. So I kind of knew that reaction going in when, when we made the deal. Um, if we wanted to tease everybody, we could have we could have done the two back first, and you know everybody would happen and said, "Oh, you you got what you needed." But you know, from running the drafts and experience, when you have a chance to get a money maker somewhere between six and twelve, you've got to take that chance. There's some risk, 
but you got to take that chance. And the other thing is, is people, you know, don't understand is that let's, let's say, for example, you know, you see Lindholm last year and you see all these bodies moving, you know, to Boston and back to, to Anaheim. Anaheim paid $3.2 million to get that deal accomplished. Where, where for us, we, we didn't exchange any, we didn't have to take on a bad contract. Right. Now, what we can do with that excess money of the of anywhere from, you know, the money that we didn't take back, we can also now generate assets. So that could be, you know, normally if you take on something like $4.5 million, you get two second rounders. So that gives us an opportunity, and that's what people don't understand about the deal. We could have looked like rock stars and come in with this big thing, but at the end of the day, it would have been too late first, first and it would have been, you know, taking a whole bunch of cash back and it would accumulate to some other little picks here and there. But, but, it, but the deal that we had allows us to not only go out and get a bad contract next year and generate more assets, um, it, it also allows us to pick uh, high in the draft or an opportunity to pick high in the draft, which we wanted. Um, and we're trying to replicate what we did last year at the draft. So hopefully we could do that. Coyotes GM Bill Armstrong in Arizona Sports. So I asked a few of these guys around here, these all-knowing sports experts. I asked yeah. them, Bill, yeah, I said... Right, yeah. I, I, don't said, know, I don't know who he was talking to. It wasn't me. I said, how many picks do the Coyotes have over the next three or four years? <laughs> Where would you be at this point? Oh, uh, we, we're, we're, we're so far ahead. We, I think we got 52. I think that's what it is in the next four years, five years. I think we got 52 picks. So um, is that feasible going yeah. forward, or is that, are you envision packaging those up? Yeah, it gives you a lot of power to go buy players uh, when you're ready to buy them. You know, like if you look at last year, you know, all of a sudden, you know, um, Matthew Kachuk comes up, uh, you know, or Dougie Hamilton the year before, or players that you have an opportunity to go out and buy. This gives us an opportunity to go out and buy them at the right time when we're ending the rebuild. Um, it really gives you an opportunity to go acquire some of talent with them because um, you can't use them all to draft, uh, but but it does give you some room and some flexibility to go out and buy players at the right time or add young prospects into your organization by going out and buying uh, one from another organization. So it really gives you a lot of power and a lot of flexibility. Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Now, I'm also asking this question from a, a position of ignorance here, but I, I'm intrigued by part of these last few days that have seen the Coyotes take on money for players that aren't going to play as, as part of this. And, and that was a, a, a substantial part of a couple of these deals that have gone down. For you, explain kind of the philosophy behind Kane or some of the other deals where, where money's yeah. coming and money's on your books for guys that you aren't expecting to play for you. Tell me what's behind that. Well, you, you get an opportunity, uh, you know, especially uh, as we just completed, you know, we, we moved a lot of cap out. Uh, one of the reasons is we moved, you know, the Richies of the world, the, the, you know, the, uh, the Gossip Spears, you know, the Chickerings, and didn't take cap back. So we had to protect ourselves to make sure we were still at the floor. Um, that was the, the first reason. Um, in the summer, as we go through the process of taking on bad contracts and, and, and continuing the rebuild and accumulating assets, you don't know where you're going to be in the cap world, and you want to make sure that you can at least get to the floor. And so there are teams out there with these, these injured players. They can give them to you, and, and they pay you to take them, um, and they help you out getting to the floor, yeah. and that way nobody can leverage you and come to you, hey, listen, you're you're – 
you know, you know, so many millions away from the floor or whatever, you, you know, you have that taken care of. Uh, and you can also sell the contracts off later if, if people are in desire for them. But that's just a little bit of making sure we don't get leveraged as an organization. All right, last question for you. Bill Armstrong, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show with Paul Calvisi filling in. It's kind of a 30,000 feet big picture question here. When you were on Newsmakers Week last week, you guesstimated yeah. that the rebuilding process for this organization was about 40 com- uh, 40% complete. Over the yeah. last 72 hours or so, has that number moved now? Is it greater than 40% based off of what's happened, or are you still in that same spot? Well, what's yeah? It's an interesting question. So, what what has been completed is that for the next four years as an organization, if we did nothing, we have every draft pick, you know, the, for the rebuild to be completed, and and that's the greatest thing. The, the picks are all there; they're all stocked away. Uh, they they run back in the twenty twenty six draft. We already have three second rounders and 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 two third. Like so, we're we're packed for the next five years, pretty much. Um, of, of draft picks all the way through. So those are completed. So if you want to say 50%, we can do 50% of, of that and just say that's that's what this helped us to get through and get through on the other side. So I would say about 50% as of now. All right. Um, it, it's it's time to put your feet on the on the desk, and if you don't have a cold one already, it's it's time <laughs> time to get yourself one, Bill. It's been a busy last few days. Uh, enjoy the the break for a minute or two. Bernsey, don't call him. He's sleeping for the next twenty four hours. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I got a game. I got to go manage a game, and then we'll sleep after the game. Time. That's right. That's Sounds, good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Bill, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Uh, you're welcome. Take care, guys. Yeah, Bye-bye. Yep. Bill Armstrong, Coyotes General Manager, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You can text us your thoughts on anything we've talked about today here on Burns and Gambo. The FanDuel text line is open at 620-620. Cardinals fans, you can all join me in thanking Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. He could be the reason why the Cardinals have a whole bunch of options come draft day. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Calvisi on this Friday afternoon. Paul Calvisi. You know, just one last name that ends in a vowel like another. Whatever. I know. I get it. You guys just, it's interchangeable around here. You know, poly profiled. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. By the way, I'm up 2-0 in the count so far because you violated the pitch clock twice. It's, uh, I mean, you got to pick it up, Bernsey. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, sorry. Around I, here. I, I got to get in the box let's and go. address the pitcher. Let's, let's go. Move this yeah, along. Let's move it along. Well, you know what? All right. The, the, the clock is ticking. Let's update our Twitter poll question. Here we go. Ruby right now. Quick. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Well, it's not really fair because Pauly isn't executing the infield shift the way the rules say. So he's got <laughs> an Bernie, execu- the, the clock already started. We oh, got to oh, go. Sorry, we got to go. Sorry, sorry, right, okay. <laughs> Throw the pitch here. What's the Twitter poll question? Quick before which I get of these two teams with, Which of these two teams with recent additions is most likely to put it all together? Is it the Mavs and Kyrie Irving or the Clippers with Russ? Time. The Clippers with Russ because they don't have to play Russ. <laughs> The Mavs have to play Kyrie. They don't have a choice. Yeah. They have to. It's the Clippers. If the Clippers don't want to play Russ, they don't have to play Russ. Yeah, but, but but I'm going with the Mavs, and it has nothing to do with the Kyrie. I just believe in Luka. I think Luka will probably figure it out. Probably. I know the degree of difficulty with Kyrie Irving is extreme. It's off the charts. But I do believe in Luka 
to figure it out. Now, we'll all get a first-hand glance at it on Sunday yeah. and how it's going. But uh, if not, you know, two ball-dominant guys like that, superstars, good luck. I I I think Kyrie's just too tough to work with. All right, we got the the pitch clock. What's it was a blowout the last time we rolled this out. What do we got? Still a blowout. Still is. Russell Westbrook continues to get blown out 74 to 26 in favor of the Mavs figuring it out with Kyrie. If you're looking for something to watch tomorrow, thank you by the way for that Eric. We appreciate it. If you're looking for something to watch tomorrow, keep your eye on the NFL Network because tomorrow is the day the quarterbacks throw at the scouting combine. Now, I am not saying this because the Cardinals are in the market for a quarterback they are not. They give Kyler Murray 200 million dollars last offseason they're they're good for at least a while but the quarterback mark market and how it shakes out is of great importance to the cardinals when it comes to the number three pick in the draft and cal i am going to start with will levis even though there are other bigger better names out there on the board whether it's bryce young whether it's cj stroud i'm going to start with will levis because i really do think if the cardinals are going to have options at number three he is the key Will Levis today was asked the question, the quarterback out of Kentucky, hey, why exactly are you participating in the throwing portion of the workout when a lot of quarterbacks don't? Listen to his answer. Everybody goes through the throwing portion of the combat. Why, why do you feel like it's not Because I got a cannon. I'm going to show it off. <laughs> Now, you said there are three or four better options at quarterback. That's not according to Will Levis. Don't ask Will Levis that question because he's not going to give that same answer. Did you see who or more appropriately, what was in the audience today when Will Levis was meeting with the media? Did not. The Indianapolis Colts mascot. <laughs> the gotcha. mascot right. was actually standing in the back of the room doing what I don't know. The Colts are sitting there at number four. It's presumed the first two quarterbacks that are going to go are going to be Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Will Levis is the presumed third quarterback. If he blows people away this weekend, if he shows off a cannon. If he makes people go, oh my gosh, look at this guy. The leverage and the positioning for the Cardinals just grows. No doubt. In fact, you know what? Somebody grab the mascot and, and pin a little note okay, to his fur and have him take that note to Chris Ballard, the GM, and the note says something like this. If you want Chris Ballard, or if you want Will Levis, you better call the Arizona Cardinals because they're going to trade out a number three to a team that will take Will Levis and just watch us do it. So Indianapolis... If you don't trade up to number three to get your guy, you won't get your guy because the Cardinals will trade out. And that is the ideal scenario. If quarterbacks go one, two, and then either Anthony Richardson or Will Levis is considered that guy is considered him at number three, then Indianapolis feels compelled because there is a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure right now in Indianapolis to find that quarterback. They have swung and missed so many times in the open market. They got to draft their next quarterback. It's not even about Will Levis necessarily. I'm only making it about Will Levis because he says he got a cannon and he can't wait to show it off. Okay, cool. I like the bravado. Well, let's let's see what you got, kid. It is all about a third quarterback. Could it be Anthony Richardson? Sure. Fine. Be Anthony Richardson. All of the above. Will Levis? Fine. Whatever. All the Cardinals need is a third quarterback. Fill in the blank, whoever you want it to be. A third quarterback to rise up at some point during this process and make everyone know I'm the guy. I'm your future franchise quarterback because when that happens, the leverage goes up. Maybe, maybe it is Anthony Richardson who you talk about bravado. Apparently it was spreading like a disease today in Indianapolis because Anthony Richardson and got behind the mic and said, who do I look up to? Who do I compare myself to? Just listen. I started calling myself Cam Jackson in 11th grade. You know, <laughs> trying to make big plays, you know, so uh, just Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. 
Cam Jackson. <laughs> Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, and apparently Anthony Richardson is what you got when you splice the two together with their DNA. No. His real name is Trey Lance. <laughs> Trey Lance is a lot more accurate than Cam Jackson over there, Mitchell Pulisic. I mean, Cam, there's no way. I mean, Damn. he's already liking himself to a couple of MVPs. So, <laughs> that, I mean, honestly, if I'm in a war room, you know, that's... Do you like this? you got to drill a little deeper into the ego, into the overconfidence of an Anthony Richardson, because if he thinks he's all that, where's the work ethic? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he thinks he's already arrived and he's been calling himself Cam Jackson since 11th grade, that's a red flag to me when, once again, more accurately, he's Trey Lance. Uh, he's a guy with only 13 starts at Florida. And so he's going to be drafted on potential. And, and you know the best thing to happen in the Arizona Cardinals is Josh Allen. Because when you look at Anthony Richardson, what's his big drawback? Accuracy, mm-hmm. completion percentage, or lack thereof. And what was the knock on Josh Allen? Same thing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. And he still wasn't great as a rookie, but he's gotten progressively better. And he's really defied the narrative that if you have accuracy issues in college, you will have accuracy issues in the pros. You know what? Josh Allen has defied that. That's a really good point. And maybe some teams will say, you know what? We got all the tools and the skill set with Anthony Richardson. We're going to turn him into the next Josh Allen. All right, give yourself a gold star because it only took until four. 38 in the afternoon for you to make a really good point, but that was a really, really good well, point right there. I had to wait for all the listeners to come back that you drove away in the 2 and 3 o'clock hours. <laughs> That's what I had to do. So, there, you but, know. But Josh, but, but boy, you're right on the money with that. Josh Allen is uh, all of the risks, all of the uncertainty, all of the reasons you don't want to take a quarterback. When you look at what Josh Allen has become, it might embolden a team to be more of a risk taker. Okay, let's go make Anthony. And, and the thing about the confidence, too, that's a real fine line for these guys, right? Because you If I'm a general manager of a team, I want my quarterback thinking he's all that in a bag of chips, but to a limit, to a line, to a certain point where, okay, you have belief in yourself, but you also have to know you've got work to do. Is he just talking because he's got a microphone in front of his face, right? Is he just blowing smoke because that's where you blow the smoke? Or does he actually think he is a hybrid between Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson? Because if you do, you got to let some air out of that hot air balloon, right? I mean, it's one thing to nickname yourself Cam Jackson. It's another thing to say you did it in 11th grade and you're still sticking by it. You're still owning it. When you didn't exactly put an award-winning season on film at Florida this past year. No, let's. Um, I want to read this quote to you and everybody out there. I've read it to you, but I want to read it to everybody. This is about Bryce Young, the Bama quarterback, who also is going to get measured tomorrow. Pro Football Talk called it today, quote, one of the most anticipated height and weight measurements ever at the Combine, close quote. 2019 is calling. They would like their measurements back because we went through this with Kyler <laughs> yes, Murray. But I think with Bryce Young, it is accurate. It is one of the most anticipated measurements we've seen because he's small and he's slight. And that's not a great combination. And the video of him walking into the combine, <laughs> arriving at the combine next to a six foot seven monster, did him no favors. No, you know what? In fact, I'm going to do this for you. Don't do that. Don't do no, that. Don't walk tip. in next to the big guy. Walk pro into tip. a small guy. No, Dominion of Americans, don't walk next to the six seven guy. Take it from Tom Cruise. Cruise, never be in the same scene with someone over six foot. You don't want to do that. It's in Tom Cruise's contract. You're laughing, Mitch. It's an absolute. <laughs> do you want to know something? You want to tell you a quick story? Quick please, story. Quick please. story. There was 
I did this. Um, I, there, there was a picture on the wall of a somewhat famous guy next to Tom Cruise, and they were, it was an auto racing thing, right? Okay. And, and Tom Cruise had this Mets hat on, and it was just 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 sort of positioned right on top of his head. It wasn't even pulled down at all. It's like, why is Tom Cruise in an F one racing uniform? They just got off the racing track wearing a Mets hat, and the story was before they took the picture, he put on a hat to make up the height difference of the guy he was standing next to. <laughs> I once interviewed Sylvester Stallone. He was on one side of a limousine. I was on the other with my microphone stretched across the top of the car. I could not believe how short yes. that guy was. I've seen him in I Vegas. I couldn't yes. believe yes. how short Sly Stone was. I'm like, oh, wow, you really are not that tall. You're really not. You know Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, right? Yeah. Big dude. I mean, big. Did you ever see that picture? He's a Miami Hurricane. So is Calais Campbell. Did you ever see The Rock standing next to Calais no, Campbell? No, I have to look it up. <laughs> Google that up. He looks like a little kid standing next to six foot eight Calais Campbell. Wow, that's crazy so, stuff. So, but so the, yes, it's legit. I mean, look, teams talk themselves into things. Measurables matter. They matter. I mean, should they? We can argue that all day. They do. They're factored in. And so if you're looking at a 190-pound quarterback yeah. who's less than six foot Man. in today's NFL, then you know what? Um, yeah, some team might get cold feet. And who knows? Maybe C.J. Stroud does vault him with an unbelievable combine performance. And, and, and the other thing to consider about Bryce Young, too, uh, is that for that height and for that weight, it's not like he's a burner. Right, it's not like okay, Kyler Murray. Yeah, he had height issues too. Dude can fly. Bryce Young's elusive. He can escape pressure. He can't run like Kyler Murray. He doesn't run like Kyler Murray. And so that's sort of your caveat if you're going to draft a smaller quarterback. He's go well. At least he can run. That's eh, not really Bryce Young's thing, right? Now, if he's a master at processing and going through his reads, then you take it and getting rid of the ball. Yep. Then guess what? He's the guy. He has the accuracy and. If he can read a defense and get rid of the ball before the pocket collapses, and at least he has the ability to climb the pocket here or there and keep a defense honest. If DBs have their back to the line of scrimmage, you can take off. You know, that's that's the way the best quarterbacks operate. That's Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, the 26-yard scramble when everybody has their back turned to him. Yeah, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show with Calvisi filling in, how much longer will ASU be in the Pac-12? Is it literally a matter of days at this point? That's coming up next, Burns and Gambo. Wolf and Luke, middays 10 to 2. Let's just face it right now, right? It was great. So, Look, everybody, so it's KD and it's Hanjo Oh, he's better than anybody's ever played for the Suns. I didn't realize that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know it, but the, until you see it, you're like, oh, he can just make a 20-foot shot, and he's uncoverable because he's 7 feet, and he doesn't miss the shots. And that's just going to be there every game, no matter who they play. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Despite what you might think or what you might hear, we're not dummies here on the Burns and Gambo show, and certainly not when Paul Calvisi fills in. Uh, okay. yeah, put the light detector away. That's no. it. Get up. I'm going. It's <laughs> a, look, if Mac McClung can win the NBA slam dunk contest, right? <laughs> And if I can scrape ice off my Ford Edge yesterday morning at home that, in the right? driveway, yeah, yeah. then I can sit in here for a few hours. We know that there have been several reports out there about the Big 12 waiting to poach the Pac-12, right? And we've talked about them, and we've looked at them, and we've seen them, and we've addressed it and all of that. Stuart Mandel, and I don't know how you feel about this. For me, Stuart Mandel is like the premier college football writer in America. 
when he and Max Olson of The Athletic write a story today in which they insinuate that the Big 12 is now poised, ready to strike, ready to go, that if the Pac-12 is under, if the schools of the Pac-12 are underwhelmed by the per-year, per-school media rights fees that they're going to get from George Klyovkov, the report this morning on The Athletic basically said the Big 12, by the end of this month, could be making a play for the so-called four-corner schools of the Pac-12. Colorado, Utah, and yes, ASU and and U of A. There's no reason not to believe that. There's no reason to dispute that whatsoever. Have we seen anything over the last decade, basically, when it comes to the leadership of the Pac-12 that would give you confidence that they're able to figure it out and figure it out quickly, that it's an imminent solution? Because apparently it needs to be. Apparently that's the expectation of the schools, based on what Ray Anderson said on this very station, that mid-March they they expect to have some sort of Pac-12 media rights deal. And and so... Look, what we saw today, just moments ago, though, from John Canzano, that seems to say otherwise. Look at this report. He said several Pac-12 sources say they're they're confident that the Pac-12 conference will match or beat the Big 12's announced $31.6 million annual media rights distribution figure. On Friday, one well-placed conference source called being in the vicinity of that number, quote, a layup. So now we have a conflicting report. John Canzano and his sources say, no, the Pac-12 is indeed about to announce a media rights deal that will at least match or eclipse the Big 12. And that seems to be the key to keeping this whole thing together. Pac-12 schools telling their commissioner, tell me you can get us more per school per year than what they're getting in the Big 12. And if you can do that, we're fine. If you can do that, because, I mean, really, when you think about it, with the expansion of the college football playoffs, there's not as much reason to hop as long as you know you're getting the money and as long as you know everyone's staying together. Because you're going to get a spot in the playoffs, no matter what. Your conference champion could have four losses, and you're going to get a spot in the new college football playoffs. So that's not what's driving you. What's driving you is the money and to a certain extent to make sure you can continue to recruit well if you're not in a premier conference. But if you've got a shot of going to the playoffs every year, as long as the money's equal, I think a lot of these Pac-12 schools would like to say together it's when the money's not equal to what the Big 12 is making. That's when teams might get a little jumpy. You know what's interesting is a lot of the existing Pac-12 schools, meaning everyone except UCLA and US they're confident they can use it a recruiting advantage the departure of USC and UCLA because they can tell families do you really want to travel to Rutgers and Penn State to see your son or daughter compete I hadn't thought about it that way and so a lot of these Pac-12 schools that are left are thinking you know what it could be it could be a real liability for USC and UCLA to recruit the West Coast so that's a positive. Now, what we said earlier, you got to expand or die in today's college landscape. Yep. And so this report also lays out that there could be four teams joining the conference in the very near future. Yeah, that's John Canzano is reporting the Pac-12 conference CEO group voted to approve further exploration of four schools joining the Pac-12. So now we're now we're not talking about four schools leaving the Pac-12. We're talking about four schools coming to the Pac-12. Those okay. four envelope please. <laughs> Here we go. SMU. Mm. Dallas. San Diego State. Okay, SoCal. The L.A. Basin area, right? Yep. Colorado State. Oh, boy. And I'm still working to confirm what the fourth school is. And then he goes on to say who it's not going to be. That sources tell him it won't be UNLV. 
even though the Vegas market would probably be attractive, but they just don't have the academics. Imagine that at UNLV. And they also said it will not be Fresno State. Supposedly, Fresno State has wanted to get into the Pac-12 if they expand. But for whatever reason, that will not be the case. So who could be that four school? Gonzaga, even though they're a non-football school? Would you take Gonzaga to build your basketball brand knowing you're losing UCLA? Doubtful. It uh, seems unlikely, right? Like it, it seems like you would need a football pr- and Gonzaga's, you know, footprint. It's Spokane. I mean, it's not. It's not great. It's you know, Eastern Washington. It's fine, but it's not like a huge, huge market. But you do your basketball. I know everyone just looks at it through the football prism. When UCLA leaves, the state of basketball in the Pac-12 is woeful. I mean, you, you they're getting two teams in the tournament now. You might be a one. Team bid every single year in the Pac-12, wow. right? I, I mean, I didn't think about that. Yeah, could be. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely UCLA right. UCLA goes. I mean, right now, those are the only two yeah. teams that are locks to get in the conference this year. UCLA's gone. What is Arizona going to be the only Pac-12 team that goes every single year? That's a possibility in the you, Pac-12. You know, my initial reaction to this is, what is Colorado State? do for the Pac-12? I don't know. What does that market do? Why are you not stopping at just adding San Diego State and SMU? You want SoCal. You want the Dallas TV market. You want Texas. I get those two schools. I don't understand Colorado State. So I, I don't know if that's still to be determined. Maybe they do that to appease Colorado because they're threatening to leave. I'm not exactly sure, but... Because you've already po- got the Denver market basically with Colorado, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you'd say, well, it's you want to get Denver. Well, you kind of already have Denver. Boulder's closer to Denver than Fort Collins is. I'd rather go after and try and poach a BYU. In, in that scenario. Yeah, but they're already committed too to late. Big 12. Yeah, yep. too late with that. So this is something that really bears watching. But again, when Mandel comes out with a report and says, man, the Big 12 is, a-, and I'm going to read, I want to read this one line, and we'll talk about ASU real quick because of they, their loss last night. The line that stood out to me the most about this whole story from Mandel today, talking about the Big 12's belief they can pull apart the Pac-12. Quote, these sources believe if Brett Yormark can convince the leadership at just Two Pac-12 schools to join the Big 12, that might be all it takes to land all four of the four corner schools and basically pull the whole sweater apart by tugging on the thread. It is so naive to think that not every Pac-12 school is having those discussions behind the scenes. Because one day they woke up and all of a sudden UCLA and USC, they're gone. Yeah, exactly. You have to have a plan B just in case. You must be talking to other conferences in case this thing blows up in front of you. All right, real quick about ASU. Losers last night to UCLA, 79-61. In many ways expected. I think they could have punched their ticket with a win because they would have been the... They actually would have been the first team since Cal back in 94-95 to win on the road at McHale and at Pauley mm. when both teams were ranked in the top 10 at the time. Do you remember that Cal team in 94-95 that beat McHale, that beat the, the Dave, Cats and the Bruins? Those were the good old days when we were cheating with the head coach Todd Bozeman <laughs> and we landed on three years of probation but it netted us Jason Kidd, oh. Lamont Murray. That was, those were the Jason those Kidd Those were years, the good right? old days and I would trade, I would trade three years of probation for this 3-27 and record we have going right now in a hot minute. 
Um, ASU now, if you look at the bracketologist, and in particular Joe Lenardi, literally has the Sun Devils as the last team out of the field. Oh my Not in the group of four Mm. that are the last teams out. The first of the last teams out. And you know what? That's actually a better scenario in some ways than being the last team in, which was the scenario last night. Joe Lenardi, if you're watching the games last night, and Passion Walton, they kept flashing the graphic, ASU, the last team in. No. Rip the Band-Aid off. Let the Sun Devils know you're on the outside looking in. Anything to increase the urgency and the intensity of this team and the gravity of the moment, you need to win now. USC's a huge game. Got to win that game. Got to win that game. I mean, even give yourselves a chance at this. You have to beat USC. If you don't, you'd have to run the table, seemingly, in the Pac-12 tournament because you're not getting any respect from the selection committee. No. They're not looking at the Pac-12 conference through those rose-colored conference of champion glasses that Bill Walton was wearing last night. <laughs> Absolutely not. Kevin Durant's first game as a son. It was great, but it was against Charlotte. Tonight's against Chicago. A little bit better. So what should we anticipate for game two of KD? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo, Paul Calvisi filling in.